Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine fanatics who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, we introduce you to a prominent woman and take a peek into her life and, of course, her favorite wines. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Elan Fayard, who is featured in Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. Elan is a winery proprietor, a wife, and a mother. Elan, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Michelle, for having me. So let's get started. You are a California girl. I am. What part of California were you born in? I was born in Crescent City, California, which is right on the border of Oregon and California. And I should say I was raised also in Oregon, so a West Coaster born and raised mostly here in California, but lived in Oregon for a bit of my life as well. So, Small town, I imagine. In Oregon? Yes. Eugene. So not super small, but I think at the time when we were living there, it was certainly a lot smaller and and unknown. It was uh, its home of the Ducks, the University of Oregon Ducks. And so now it's known because of the football team. But back when we were growing up there, it was a very um, unknown college town. When did you move to the Napa Valley? What year? So we moved here 12 years ago. That was in 2006. Let's talk about what brought you here to the Napa Valley. Sure. You married a Frenchman, right? I did. <laughs> so you want to tell us the story of that of that meeting? Yes, yes, this uh, serendipitous meeting. I was studying at the University of Oregon and I did an exchange my sophomore year in college. I went to France, to the Loire Valley, a town called Angers, and in a nutshell, I saw my husband, you know, out and about, and I said, I need to know that person. I was so drawn to him and thought, you know, gosh, I hope our paths cross, and a a couple months later, it did, you know, and so we met and uh, started talking, and uh, he invited me to Bordeaux that weekend. He was studying wine, I guess I should preface. Uh, He invited me to Bordeaux that Uh, coming weekend as they had a kind of a huge gathering if you will of all of the enology the students that were studying wine Bordeaux basically the appellation invited all these students to the region and so we got to uh, be wined and dined um, in good French Bordeaux style which was an amazing first date if you will absolutely How could anyone else compare? So he swept you off your feet. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And you lived in France for a while? Yes. At some point, right? A total of three years combined. So that was um, my first experience living in France. And then after that, um, I lived in Bordeaux with Julian. He was working at Chateau Lafitte, Rothschild at the time. And then we moved back... um, just before, but maybe two years before we moved to Napa, we were living there with his, uh, he was working at his family's winery in Provence, in southern France. And how did you choose Napa? Julian had studied here, or excuse me, he had a harvest intern position at a winery, and so I was originally from Sonoma County. I was born in Crescent City, but really raised in Sonoma County. And I think for us, it was just kind of a natural go-to. You know, we really felt like this was the epicenter of wine. And if we were going to move somewhere in the United States, it was certainly just going to be in California. And Napa was really just kind of the Bordeaux of the U.S., if you will. And so 
it was just a natural place for us to come to. So let's talk about your life here in Napa. How would you describe it? Ideal. <laughs> if there was one word. Yeah. You know, it is what what it looks like from the outside. I mean, it's, you know, we, we work hard. It's certainly not um, that we're sipping wine all day and eating cheese, but it's a really um, great lifestyle. I think we live by the rhythms of the earth, you know, naturally because we're connected to that with the harvest season and the growing of the grapes. You get all seasons here with the beauty of uh, having the heat in summer with cool nights in the evenings. There's an amazing community here. You know, every not everybody, but a, a large part of Napa Valley is so much focused on the wine industry and the culinary industry. And that brings some really amazing people, I think, um, that, that we're surrounded by. You've got a family. Yes. How many kiddos? Three kids. Three kids. And of course, a husband. Do you have any time to do anything for yourself? Any hobbies? Any... I mean, we're, we happen to be sitting at her, we happen to be at Synergy <laughs> doing this interview because she was able to squeeze in a workout. But do you have any other hobbies other than staying fit? No. I mean, right now, I would say it's funny because I've been thinking about this lately about when I may be able to take that on. I think right now, so much of the focus is raising our kids. There, Two of them are going into grade school. One is in, will be in first grade. The uh, middle child will be in kindergarten this year. And so I think in, until we're at a stage where they're all full-time in school, I may have a little bit of time for myself, but we're in a very demanding stage of our business right now. There's a lot of uh, change and growth and innovation that's happening. We just purchased a production facility, an urban location um, in Southern Napa that we are very much in the depths of getting up and running right before harvest starts. So I don't see any hobbies in the near future. <laughs> what I would see happening, what I would love to do, which I've done in the past, is I, I'm, I love rock climbing. Um, I love hiking. I love being outdoors. That's probably some of my Oregon uh, roots and influence. And something artistic, and I don't know what that would be. I love photography. I've done it in the past. I do it as a hobby when I have time, but certainly nothing that I can dedicate too much time to it at this point. You have a great flair, though. You did all the interior design at your properties, right? Yes. At your winery properties, I've seen firsthand. I haven't seen your home. And and that's those are spectacular. Thank so you. you definitely have a great knack and a great eye for for interior design or artistic ability. Thank um, you. You certainly have a great skill set there. Thank Maybe you. Maybe you have a second calling. Uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is funny. I have uh, designed interior, done the interior design for a couple wineries because I think either they've seen it or, um, you know, really just kind of wanted somebody that understood the function of a hospitality area and um, the brand aspect to it as well. But that's probably an artistic aspect that incorporates work at the same time and so it allows me to have that creative outlet right so you get a little bit of little pleasure bit. a yes. little bit of pleasure yes. so I have to ask we're in wine country we're in the Napa Valley you're married to a winemaker what do you all drink at home uh last night <laughs> we had some ca Cabernet from Napa uh, that was partly because Julian needed to open it I mean it's it's 
positive thing. He said, we need to open this tonight to, to taste it. I need to, you know, work on the blends for it, the upcoming blends. But if I have my choice, I would say champagne and wine, still wine. I would probably say so much depends on mood, but I am liking a lot of good Pinot Noirs that are really well produced. Um, and then I'm really actually kind of enjoying white wines, which I have not done I've not enjoyed as much in the past. I've been a heavier red drinker. So I would say kind of my palate might be changing and and quite frankly it's summer too, so that probably ha- might have something to do with it. But you're you are a wine lover for sure. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um is there something that people might be surprised to learn about you that you can tell us about? A hidden talent. Oh, hidden talent. Do oh. you speak a language that we might be we don't know about. Well, French, huh? but um, outside of French, no. I don't know if there's anything hidden hidden about me. I'm, I, no, I, I, nothing comes to mind. Nothing comes to mind. Okay. Maybe you can tell me at the end of this. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what advice? I mean, you've lived, have lived in Napa now for quite some time, but what advice would you give someone if they wanted to move to Napa? First off, I'd say you just have to commit and do it Um, if it's something if it's a dream of yours and you're looking for security and safety most wineries are going to hire based on the fact that you're local and here and and that's ultimately what we did I mean we moved here with no jobs no place to stay I think it's that leap of faith that's helpful in actually being in place you have to get your foot in the door you know, really working, even if you have, if you were a CEO of some incredible company, most wineries are not hiring you into be their CEO position. You need to understand the industry first. And I'd say if you're a hard worker and uh, you're a great contributor, you can really evolve in the industry very quickly here, but you have to get your foot in the door. And usually that's through starting out in just a tasting room. And that's fun. You know, it's a fun job. You get to meet people. You get to see things on the ground level, on the ground floor. Um, and there's a lot of room within where you grow into that starting position. So I'd say you kind of have to plant the seed, and that's where it starts. I think that you made a good point there. I think some people have all come to the Valley, and they have all this great experience, and they think, gosh, I, I can take these skills and tra- they would transfer perfectly to the wine industry, and they just don't understand that that this industry and the people that have lived here and worked in it for so long want you to understand it from the ground up. Yes. Literally. A hundred percent. And and there's a comfort in speaking about wine. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a difference of just understanding wine from a, from a level of enjoying it on a daily or weekly basis or whatever it is that one does. When you work in the industry, I think that's really where you understand it more intimately. And that, ha- that should be communicated to the guests that are visiting here. So there, there is a comfort in not only the wine, but the industry itself. Want more on today's interview? Purchase Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. It's available on our website at winecountrywomen.com. That seems like a good place to start talking about your career. Um, Before we talk about where you are today, I want to know what was the first job 
paying job that you ever had. Do you remember? I do. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'll preface it by saying this. I, very young, I think was, um, had an entrepreneurial spirit and knew that, I, I would say I was a hard worker. So at age 14, I went and cleaned the dorm, certainly nothing um, amazingly uh, glorious at the time, but I wanted to earn my own money. As a 14-year-old, there were very few jobs that one could do, and that was something that I was able to do. So I was cleaning the university dorms in the summer months. Oh, wow. Certainly not fun, but, you know, um, one with a light heart. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, you made money. Can, yes. <laughs> and you learn probably discipline 100 percent, and hard work you yeah know, that's certainly not a fun job to do but it was something that I knew hey if I'm going to do this and I want my own spending money I need to do something and that was what was available so so you started out cleaning dorms but fast forward to where you are now now you and your husband have gosh, I don't know, three or four wineries. But along the way, you have had your own business. And you've been a consultant for a number of wineries. And you've worked in the wine industry here in Northern California. Tell us a, tell us about your path in, in the wine industry okay, and where you are today. Well, I think it was that leap of faith that we talked about earlier. My husband and I moved here genuinely with no intention to start our own wine brand. I mean, we came here and we said, you know, we want to work in Napa Valley. We want to work in the wine industry. I had been working in tourism and hospitality and marketing. And then Julian had been working as a winemaker. So we came and organically and really grassroots, we decided, you know, we need to produce rosé, quality rosé. And when I say that, there was no premium rosé being made 12 years ago. So most of the rosé that was, well, all of the rosé really that was being produced in, in Napa and around the United States was um, was really a byproduct of red wine and an afterthought to their red wine production. So we were the first, and we saw, I guess, a opening to be the first to produce premium rosé and ultimately dedicated rosé production with Julian's family's knowledge. He comes from a winemaking family in Provence and they produce what's called a Côte de Provence Cru Classe Rosé, which is the highest quality of rosé you can produce in in, uh, southern France. And so we brought that technique and that um, know-how here and said we need to introduce this to the United States, really, into Napa. So it was really organic. We started out in that way. I, on the side... Uh, was doing our sales. So I had a full-time job as a director of hospitality for a winery revamping their whole um, tasting room, design, labeling, the programs, ultimately what one would experience when you come into that tasting room. And uh, over time, worked at another winery, was recruited to work in another one. and, And at this time, our wine label, Azure, was really starting to take off and you know more of my time was being demanded and I thought you know there were a couple winery owners that were asking me hey would you ever do this on the side for us could you help us rebrand our our labels could you help us with hiring could you help us determine what a wine club should look like you know and so I thought you know this is a good opportunity though it certainly was a scary one because I didn't have any you know uh, 
dedicated offers, if you will, to work. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. I think our business is taking off enough to take a step aside. And so I started working for uh, wineries as a on a consulting level to help them with everything that really touches the consumer outlets. So it would be revamping websites, um, as I said, wine club designs, people that were just starting wineries. How do we create a tour? What is the tour? What does our tour look like at the winery? Um, what's our messaging? Who are we? You know, how do we differentiate ourselves? And then it eventually led into further expansion, which was um, tasting room design and uh, tasting room development, building the entire teams of new wineries. Who do we need? What does that look like? How many people? What are the hours? I mean, really kind of everything. And then also uh, incorporating, I guess I would say, analysis of the ex- consumer experience. So going in as a secret shopper and having a team of secret shoppers come in and really experience that winery as one would and say, these are some great aspects to what you're doing and here are some areas that could be improved and this is how you could do it. So that's kind of how we started. And then where we're at now is um, five years ago, we opened our first winery, which was really exciting. That's a partnership between us and two other couples. And Um, the name of that winery? It's called Covert Estate. Um, We're located out in Coombsville, which is very, if you ask me, it's the best appellation in Napa Valley, but it's the most hidden um, appellation. We're only eight minutes from downtown, still family-owned wineries, really beautiful country area that still has that residential feel and kind of the old Napa feel. And so we kind of put our heads together the three families and said let's let's do this let's purchase this property it was an old grandfathered winery permit an old barn on the property we basically built caves there um, and we produce our wines there as well as um, host and have a very uh, nice luxurious hospitality salon and what wines can people taste there uh so the covert estate is uh, is wine from the property Mm -hmm. it's cabernet that's grown on the property typical coombsville style which is coombsville is a cooler appellation so we have a really nice cool cool growing region that produces a beautiful cabernet Um, we also taste azure wines which is my husband and my my personal label and then nicholson jones which is a label that julian makes wine for that is our partner's label so so coverts uh is one varietal the cab uh we have a couple vineyard designate cabernets and then we have a cab franc that's very small production just Mm -hmm. for the allocation let's see we have a syrah which is very little as well Mm -hmm. just for allocation I'm not. I'm not trying to quiz you. I just. I don't <laughs> no, know. that's good. I have to think about it though. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to let people know what you know what different varietals were available yeah. under the covert. Thank you. Labels. Yes. But I think the point that you were making is if someone is interested in coming there, they can taste the the azure as well as um, the other the coverts brand. and yes, covert wines and Nicholson Jones. Right, yep. Nicholson Jones and as then well. We also have the new location that we plan to open, I would say, comfortably in November of this year. And that's really an urban location. It's our production facility where we'll move a lot of the wine production in-house. So we'll be able to provide tours of the production facility, 
We have a glass wall that opens up to see the production as it's happening while you're doing the tasting. I think it'll be a really cool, innovative um, approach. approach. Mm -hmm. And where will that be exactly? What area of the valley? So it's out in southern Napa, which is the industrial area. So it's really our urban location. It's um, it's by Meritage or? Correct. A little okay. bit further. It's um, Camino Ruga, okay. um, which is out by Barber Vineyards and Lafitte Corp, Cork and Capsules. Okay. Okay. And then the property that, um, or the tasting room that you have near your home, which I saw, what do you utilize that area for? So that's for tastings. Okay. Yeah. As well. Yes. Entertaining, um, hosting distributors, you know, everything um, that would allow a more intimate uh, experience. Correct. So, okay. So you don't have enough to do, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No more kids. No more. Yeah. (laughs) Three kids. Three different winery locations, yes. one, you know, in the works right now, and a busy husband, yes. and uh, and no time for yourself. Yeah, not, <laughs> you not poor too much. Thing. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask, um, you're, you're definitely driven. Um, you do. You mentioned you have that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, as, as young as a four, when you were 14 years old. So was has there been someone throughout your career that has... Um, inspired you or has been influenced you or been your mentor along the way? I probably would say it was not necessarily a mentor or somebody that had impact professionally, but probably more from the beginning, my mom, you know, I mean, I think about it as to why maybe I was so driven and I think it was how I was raised, you know, she was a a go-getter. She was a stay-at-home mom for much of our life, but she worked on the side. She did some accounting. She was all. She was always a doer, you know. And I think just seeing that and um, having that, her, her empower us to be strong women. And um, I have three. I'm one of three sisters, um, two younger brothers as well, but you know, for the girls, she was always about us really being self-sufficient and being able to accomplish whatever it is that we set our minds to. So I would say she was probably the biggest influence. I think that's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. To have a, have a, she is wonderful. She is wonderful. To pay tribute to her and her influence and, and the environment that you grew up in. Yeah. Thank you. Let's wrap things up with what I like to call five quick questions. Okay. I'm ready. Here we go. What designer brand do you wear the most? Ooh, uh, none. <laughs> okay, we're off to a good start. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't wear designer brands. <laughs> okay, what's the weirdest thing in your purse right now? <laughs> um, I would probably say a deck of cards. Okay, the last piece of candy you ate. Cinnamon chewing gum. What kind of car do you drive? A Toyota Venza because I have kids, so. Name one, and I know there are many, but name one favorite restaurant in the Napa Valley. Zuzu. It's a tapas restaurant. Restaurant. Okay. Tapas, not topless. Tapas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just want to make that clear. Yes. <laughs> it is fabulous. Yes. So right on Main Street in downtown Napa. Yeah. Thank you so much for Thank sitting you, down Michelle. with us, Elon. 
Thank you for tuning in to listen and learn about the women featured in our lifestyle books and involved in our business. Share these episodes on your social media platforms so more people can learn about Wine Country Women. Visit our website at winecountrywomen.com to join our list and be the first to learn about exclusive offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new episode of Wine Country Women.